Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of both Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap, the San Francisco Chronicles 49ers and Raiders podcast. Uh, my name is Matt Kawahara. I am the Raiders beat writer for the Chronicle, and joining me again today is Eric Branch, the 49ers beat writer for the Chronicle. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm sure Mobile feels like home for you now, right? Mobile was Mobile was a lot sunnier and less rainy today, so it was good. We got to get out and see some practice. Uh, last day of practices for the Senior Bowl. Um, there's a uh, break with walkthroughs tomorrow, and then the game is played on Saturday. So today we're going to be uh, wrapping up a little bit of the business that went on this week, talking about some players who stood out. We also heard from both head coaches of the 49ers and the Raiders, and also both general managers today. So. Uh, going over a little bit about what they said after this quick break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome back to the joint episode of Niners Notebook and Raiders Wrap. And Eric, I guess just to lead into it, I mean, there was a lot of information that came out today. We got uh, some good uh, info on some of the prospects that stood out this week here in Mobile. Uh, a little bit of what's been going on with the, the 49ers and the Raiders over the last month or, or about a month since the season ended. So I'm going to turn it over to you today just um, just kind of go over or ask anything that, uh, that might be of interest to you uh, with either team. So if you want to started off and we heard from both GMs today if there was anything that uh, that was off the top of your head yeah well I, I guess I, I'd start with I know Mayock had his introductory press conference and then you haven't heard from him since so uh, I mean what struck you about that whether just in regards to his personality or whatever information uh, he provided yeah, that was so. We got to the beat writers, uh, the Raiders beat writers sat down with Mayock today for about a half hour, um, just a, a little while ago, actually. And it was a much more, I guess, sort of comfortable and candid. The, the introductory press conference was obviously held in their uh, auditorium at the facility with the Super Bowl trophies in the background and all the cameras rolling and everything. So today was just in one of the ballrooms here at or over at the convention center where they were having a lot of the Senior Bowl stuff this week and just uh, sitting around a table and, and got to a, a little bit of a better feel for him, I think. And he talked, uh, you know, some about the challenges or, or I guess the adjustments that he's had to make over the last uh, the last few weeks since he took that uh, that GM job. Uh, I guess he would say the first first thing that struck him was the way that he has to structure his time differently. He said he would be sitting in his office uh, over that first week as as a general manager, 
having to take care of some of the uh, nuts and bolts stuff that come up throughout the day. And it would get to be, I mean, we would get in the office at 5.30 in the morning. He would look at his watch, it'd be 8 o'clock at night, and he would think, I haven't watched film all day. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I'm sure for that, uh, for him, that's, that's a strange day. So he had to really figure out how to structure his time a little bit differently. But in this sort of two-week stretch, he said it's been a lot more, I think, familiar for him because he was at the, the East-West Shrine game uh, last week. Obviously, he's been at at the Senior Bowl this week, and, and this has been more in his wheelhouse in terms of talent evaluation and uh, looking at prospects, evaluating prospects, getting to know some of the guys who are coming out in the draft. The difference for him, uh, he said in Mobile this week, is – Whereas in past years, as the NFL Network analyst and expert, uh, his job has been to basically talk all the time and give out as much information as he possibly can, whereas now it's kind of the opposite. I mean, he's, he's having to formulate these opinions about players who the Raiders might be interested in or might not be interested in, but he has to keep everything really close to the vest. So um, I don't know if he's had to maybe catch himself a few times to, to keep from spilling too much information, but he said that's that's one of the biggest adjustments that he's had to make so far. Yeah, I'm sure. So is he come off much the same as he did as an analyst? I mean, just in his delivery, or, or do you notice like, oh, so that was TV Mayock and, and this is normal Mayock? I, I would imagine he's, he's probably the same guy. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar. I mean, there were, you know, you would, you would get sort of the, the 60 to 90 second hits uh, where he'd be talking on TV and he kind of had that, you know, he's got the the fierce looking stare I guess when he's looking at the camera sometimes and he'll sort of speak directly right at you and um, there's a little bit of that but I think today he was a little bit more relaxed I mean he's you know he's out here in his his Raiders gear his Raiders uh, baseball cap um, he's got his backpack slung over his shoulder I mean he, he's gonna and this is the way that he sort of made himself he, he got into his background a little bit which was pretty interesting because 20 some odd years ago uh, he was working in commercial real estate as, I mean, that was his, his main job. And he said that he just had to stay involved in football somehow. I mean, he had, his career had ended due to an injury and he realized that he could not be away from the game. So he was working in real estate, but still trying to stay close to it by calling high school games on the radio, uh, doing spot uh, jobs for like ESPN. This is before he obviously became the, the well-respected uh, draft analyst that he did. But, um, you know, he, he sort of had to, figure out how to earn the trust of some of the personnel people and the scouts that he was encountering when he would go out to showcase. And, and he said at that point, tw- you know, two decades ago, this, this stuff wasn't really open to media. I mean, he would show up with his backpack slung over his, uh, his shoulder and be like, hi, I'm Mike. And the scouts would look at him and say, what are you doing here? Get out of here. And um, he, but you know, having his, his uh, background as a player and being able to speak some of the same language. And he said being respectful of the evaluation process and, and sort of the work that scouts have to put in, he sort of was able to, um, you know, be get guys to be comfortable around him, whereas uh, we're to the point where a few years later they were inviting him out to stuff and, and letting him time 40-yard dashes. And, and that's kind of how he gradually uh, worked his way into the role that he ended up having. So... Um, I, to answer your question again, I think he is pretty much the same guy. Um, it's just that he's got, he's wearing all Raiders gear now, uh, instead (laughs) of, uh, instead of pretending to be the GM for 32 different teams, he's the GM for one team and his, uh, his evaluations and whatever decisions he makes or input he gives are going to have ramifications. 
So he didn't divulge information about any, any prospects. Did he give you any any sort of nuggets about the, the Raiders or um, give you any hints the you know what kind of moves they might be looking to make in the off season? Not too much of that. Um, he said, you know, right after he got hired, he was going to do sort of a, like a deep dive into their current roster, um, which, you know, he's... That he's won't com- be pretty. That won't yeah. be pretty. No, I mean, he... <laughs> true. He went over uh, just kind of generally, um, you know, he highlighted the the center, center Rodney Hudson and the two guards, Assembly and Jackson, as, as strengths. Uh, he, he said Derek Carr is one of the least of our worries right now. Actually... I think his uh, direct quote was that there are not 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, but we have one of them. So it sounds like they're, you know, to, it sounds like he anyways is confident, comfortable with Carr back there, but it, you know, they need to protect him better that he's hoping that the two rookie tackles, Brandon Parker and Colton Miller can make strides in their second season. They need to put some speed around Carr, give him some speed at receiver. And then he basically said they need to get better everywhere on defense. <laughs> uh, they need to be faster there, um, and they just they just need to get players in in the in the second and third levels. What uh, you met with John Lynch too? What uh, what did you come away with from him? Yeah, well, there was a, a few newsy things, uh, 49ers-wise, from Lynch. Uh, he gave some updates on some guys who are rehabbing from injuries, um, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, the, the quarterback and, and running back who are uh, recovering from ACL surgeries. Uh, he said both of their recoveries are going very well. Um, both are expected to be ready for training camp um, in July. He actually said that Garoppolo, you know, optimistically, could potentially participate in OTAs. Um, they're probably going to hold McKinnon out until training camp. None of those decisions have been finalized, but it was in a pretty optimistic tone about those two guys. Um, he also said that their uh, Weston Richburg, the center, had surgery um, on a, to address some, some knee and quad issues that uh, he said were hampering him toward the end of last season. Um, so he faces a pretty extensive recovery. And then uh, DJ Reed, defensive back, uh, had surgery to repair a labral tear in his shoulder. So he's facing maybe, five, uh, I think they estimated about a six-month recovery. Um, so those two guys have some rehab ahead of them too, but Lynch said the hope is that they'll be ready for training camp as well. Um, so there was that on the injury front. Uh, one other thing of note maybe is, uh, he was asked about the kicker situation. Obviously Robbie Gould, who's been extremely, uh, extremely accurate and and productive for them. Um, and is going to be a free agent. He said that they are hopeful that they can work something out with Gould, um, I think his his direct words were we're talking, so that doesn't really give you too much of an idea of how far along they are. But he said that with Gould and with all, most of their other free agents too, nothing is really imminent. So obviously there's time for that with uh, free agency not starting until March, uh, middle of March. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, my reaction to to some of that is it's really surprising that McKinnon and Garoppolo are making great recoveries because you always hear. <laughs> The teams talk about what a struggle it is when guys have surgeries. Right. So that's a shocker. Um, and I'm sure they're, that's going to continue up until they actually, uh, you know, get back in the practice field. Yeah, they're rehab- And then it will have been a successful recovery. <laughs> Much like all surgeries are successful surgeries. Yeah, they might start getting um, ahead of schedule, you know. 
Yeah, it's well, I mean, possible. I think today, as of today, McKinnon is about six weeks ahead of schedule. Oh, so, so there you go. <laughs> by the end of his rehab, I don't know. I, he might have. He might be so ahead of schedule. He was before he even had the surgery. So <laughs> well, um, the thing about Richburg is interesting. You know, they they paid a lot of money for him in, in free agency, and he, I think it was okay. I think you know by um, some metrics, that being you know pro football focus, he didn't rank real high among centers. And, you know, for sure, he is not the biggest center. And there were times where he got blown into the backfield where you could just see, oh, there's a three-yard loss. What, what happened on that running play? And it's like, oh, geez, the nose tackle just bulldozed Richburg. And, you know, I, I think now with that information, you know, that he's going to have, you need surgery on and not just knee but a quad. Um, I, I think that explains perhaps some of that. You know, we don't know, you know, you know, he was with the Giants the previous year, so there was nothing really to go on. Um, so it's not like you see, like, oh, Joe Staley just, you know, uh, uh, got bulldozed, and you're like, well, that's not like Joe Staley. You know, we're just like, geez, maybe Richburg isn't that good. So I do think that explains, you know, some of those struggles he was having. Um, and that was something, you know, I I'm, uh, want to say for sure that at least the knee, and I don't know if the knee and quad were, were connected, it was the same time he got injured, but the knee was in week four, uh, a game against the Chargers. Um, so that was, you know, the majority of the season he was playing with that. And, you know, there were times where he got up really slowly, you know, and, and that was almost kind of a weekly occurrence. So, um, you know, that, again, I'm sure they're eager to, you know, get him healthy and hopefully stay healthy so they can see, you know, I guess probably the guy they paid many millions for uh, before him in 2019. Um, right. And one one addition to that is just uh, just throw in there, as Lynch mentioned, that for the offseason program, while Richburg is out, uh, options to step in for him at center, Najee Torin, um, Eric Magnuson, and then if they bring him back, uh, Mike Person could also play a little little center just as placeholders until Richburg is, is ready to go. Yeah. So of those person sounds like the most promising. He, he's a, a free agent. Um, as far as gold, I, I do wonder, you know, how interested, and this is purely speculative, but I, I do wonder how interested he might be in um, going to Chicago, uh, you know, where he spent the first, I want to say 11 seasons of his career. He still, you know, does a lot of community work that back there. You know, I know his family. He's got a, a wife and I want to say two young kids. Um, you know, I know they stayed there, stayed, were in Chicago, you know, this past season while he was out here, uh, you know, in uh, the Bay Area uh, doing his job. And, um, you know, add to that, the Bears, you know, have Cody Parkey, who has been well documented, probably will not be the Bears kicker in 2019. Um, probably not. So, <laughs> Gould, was actually, Gould was actually at that NFC uh, playoff game, right, where, where Parkey hit the airplane. <laughs> right. Was, yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. So, again, you know, the, Chicago is his home, and I know even though he was released from the, from the Bears, um, I, I do wonder if, you know, that might be um, someone, a, a team that competes for his services along with the 49ers, you know, that being said, the 49ers do have the franchise tag option and gold is really, you know, their only logical guy to use it on. It would be like $5 million, uh, which is a lot for a kicker, but he's, you know, proven last two years with the Niners to be, you know, among the most reliable, if not the most reliable in the NFL. So uh, that'll be, that'll be interesting as far as, I don't know how interesting you can get in kicker news, but that, uh, that would qualify as interesting, I think. 
Uh, I guess, That's the high bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You mentioned uh, Derek Carr in there. He is, uh, you know, not only a starting quarterback with Mayock says, he's a legitimate starting quarterback. Um, I assume you did not ask Mayock about his level of concern if Carr gets into a fist fight with two ESPN personalities. <laughs> No, uh, we did not ask Mike Mayock about Derek Carr's MMA capabilities. Um, <laughs> if you're not caught up on this whole thing, started yesterday, ESPN's first take, Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith, I think it was Kellerman in particular, who had some critical things to say about Carr. Uh, I think he said that he thought that Carr at some point maybe quit la- on last season or, or wasn't giving a full effort. Carr took to Twitter uh, yesterday evening to sort of air his response to that, which, as you can imagine, he was not pleased. Carr is a, normally th- the thing that makes this a little bit notable and not just hot air blowing from many, many sides <laughs> is um, that Carr is normally pretty good about just kind of letting outside stuff, outside noise, criticism, kind of letting it just uh, letting it pass and, and roll off his back. And he, he, went on Twitter and he was pretty uh he was pretty forceful in his his denial and then obviously he goes and writes this tweet where he, he directs it at UFC and uh UFC president Dana White and says how do I challenge these two clowns to a fight and it's it was very uncar like but Carr <laughs> ended up going on uh one of the other ESPN shows with Mike Golick this morning and and explaining that he did not uh appreciate his character being questioned um, I guess he did not actually go. He didn't go on on first take, even though Stephen A. Smith responded with his whole "Hey, come on the show." And so that was probably more time than should be dedicated to this kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but as far as I can tell, I'm sure Carr is not going to actually. Even though Vegas did release some odds of a Derek Carr versus Stephen A. Smith MMA bout, I don't think that's actually going to happen. So. Um, so hopefully th- this will this will blow over very quickly. But as for, as of now, Derek Carr is not trading in helmet for those little gloves. <laughs> right. he's, uh, he, he's still the starting quarterback of of the Raiders. You must be a, maybe a, as big an MMA fan as I am because I, I didn't know what you would co- call them, but I, I think I would call them little gloves as well. There's probably <laughs> not a, a technical. There's a term. certain. I'm, I think there's a certain number of ounces that the glove. I you know I I'm. I don't know at this point, but yeah, no, he's, he's sticking with football as far as I know. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, we, we probably talked about it too much, but let me extend it just a little. I did hear that ESPN interview with Carr today and he explained why he didn't go on first take was, you know, he has a, basically, he has a life. He, he has, um, you know, a family and wasn't going to travel across the country so he could go on first <laughs> take, which I thought was reasonable. Although I do find the whole thing odd. <laughs> It's it was extremely odd, but hopefully, as you said, now passed. Uh, transitioning, maybe the last thing for us is um, what uh, you know. There are, you know, I know as, as reporters, you know, in training camp, sometimes, you know, uh, we are not NFL coaches or evaluators, but you know, there are guys that you just catch your eye, and you're just like, okay, that guy can play. I can tell, you know, <laughs> this guy can tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, were there guys? Uh, they did that for you this week, and if so, who were they? Yeah, well, I think uh, one of the obvious standouts, and this is a guy that we have talked about this week, is is Montez Sweat. 
the defensive end from Mississippi State, who was probably ended up being, you know, the top overall prospect um, here. He, I think, caught a lot of, he came in with sort of that, um, that reputation. So you are sort of looking at him anyway. <laughs> and, uh, but I think he, he really did stand out. Uh, another guy on the South team that the Niners coached this, this week that apparently oh, um, showed out pretty well was uh, Debo Samuel, uh, receiver. And, you know, the Niners, as I think you would say, are, are probably looking for a, a guy that they can, um, that they can plug in there at receiver or hopefully maybe start. So, uh, those were two probably bigger name guys, um, from the South team. You know, we asked Gruden about a couple of guys, uh, in particular this week, uh, today about his impressions of them from the North team. And he was pretty cagey about it. He didn't want to get into specifics, but there were two receivers there, a Penny Hart from Georgia state, Andy Isabella from Massachusetts, who, who looks pretty good. And, and Gruden said, no, I didn't like them at all. Obviously, wink, wink. Um, <laughs> but they're sort of different body types. Isabella is a, a smaller guy. I think he actually uh, measured in at like 5'9 or something. Uh, he's definitely projects as a slot guy, even though he, he said he played mostly outside in Massachusetts. Um, obviously, a big transition there uh, to the NFL. Uh, but is he, is, he, is he aware that the NFL is not? I don't know what conference Massachusetts plays in, but yeah, I think a, I think he's up. I think he's pretty yeah. aware. He he said he majored in uh oh what was his he said he majored in applied math I think and uh, oh gosh well and, and finished that in about three and a half years so yeah I think he's <laughs> I think he's smart enough to to know that there's going to be a little bit of a gap. Um, he puts this English major to shame. Yeah, okay. um, but the you know those two guys, uh, Darnell Savage, uh, safety from Maryland, I guess had a pretty good week uh, for, for the North team, and um, you know I think the 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 better the pass rushers here were sort of the the group to keep an eye on. Some of the bigger name pass rushers, Sweat and and Jalen Ferguson, who we also talked about, they were on the South team. I think they both looked uh, pretty decent, and then the quarterbacks um, on the North team were the ones I think a lot of people were keeping an eye on. Drew Locke uh, from Missouri in particular, Daniel Jones from Duke. Um, I, I think Locke had a pretty good day on, on day two, especially when they moved the practice indoors. Uh, Jones looked looked pretty good too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as we've, I think, touched on and maybe said explicitly, a lot of these guys here at the Senior Bowl um, are, are not going to be, you know, guys you are hearing picked in, in sort of the, or their names called in like the top 10. So there's some talk that maybe sweat has, has worked his way up to, to that range. But what you hear from both side from both coaching staff and both GMs is it's not necessarily your first round pick or your first pick or your top five pick where you make your team. It's really where you fill out, uh, you know, you're picking guys in rounds four through seven, those can have just as much value and, and be just as important for, for filling out your team, rounding out your team. And that's where maybe a good amount of the guys who they're getting to evaluate and getting to know in the meeting rooms and seeing how they pick up on schemes and that kind of thing this week, that's where a lot of those guys could potentially go. So, um, I, you know, you would think it's a valuable experience for, for both coaching staffs uh, this week. And, and we'll see if any of the names that, that they mentioned here end up being, in the Bay Area later uh, in the summer. And uh, I think listeners might find it interesting that people, uh, reporters go to the Senior Bowl and, and they cover the practices and they talk to the people. And today is Thursday. The game is Saturday and everyone leaves 
Friday. No, I, no one actually covers the actual game. No, I don't know anybody from the Bay Area papers who will be there for the actual game. So, um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of focus on the week, not so much on the the Elsa. But like we said, it's an All Star game. A lot of rules where you can't line up in trips, send guys in motion. Um, pretty restricted as to what you can do. So I think. I think even for the coaches, even though they said Gruden, I think it was Gruden said specifically today, there is some value for them in the game itself because that's the only time that you get live speed reps and with these guys this week um, in in a game situation. So they do want to see how you know certain guys um, respond to that and and play under those uh, those circumstances. But um, but a lot of the the work I think is put in during the week. So. So that's why we'll be flying out tomorrow morning <laughs> instead of staying for the game. Yeah, well, you know, just on that topic, my favorite Senior Bowl was 2007. I mean, that was that game was electric. That uh, was. It know, came so. down to the wire. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I could not even – I don't think I could name a player in the 2007 Senior Bowl. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think that might uh, wrap up our final sort of – podcast here from from mobile um it's been like we said it's it's there's been a lot of information that's come out from both sides this week that will that will show up in stories uh on the chronicle website going forward and there will be some names that probably come out of here in mobile that we'll keep an eye on also when we get to the time for the combine and the draft one interesting name that we didn't talk too much about this week um and could come up later is, is keelan doss uh he's an alameda native who went to uc davis and uh, so pretty local guy was a receiver here. He was here at the senior bowl and there's, you know, some talk he, he could be a, sort of a middle round pick. He's got some good size. I think he's listed at six foot three and he was really productive at Davis. But again, there's always that question of, of how those smaller schools or FCS school guys are going to, are going to, you know, compete against the, the bigger and the power five products and everything like that. So lots of, uh, lots of evaluation and lots of discussion still, before we get to the draft, which is still months away. So <laughs> plenty of time to talk about these guys. But thank you all for uh, for listening. Um, again, I think we're going to be signing off here from Mobile. But please uh, follow along with our 49ers and Raiders coverage at sfchronicle.com. Again, appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for listening. Eric, thanks for your time. And uh, take care, everybody. Until next time. Raiders Rap and Niners Notebook are part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. Follow me on Twitter at at Matthew Kawahara and Eric at at Eric underscore branch. Music for Raiders Rap is Ain't No Thing by BOPD. Support all of the San Francisco Chronicle's great sports coverage with a subscription to the print or digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. <laughs>